Sitting down in your car as you shut the door, you pull out your phone to begin the GPS. You click in the directions, and before you know it, you are focused on where you're headed with your foot on the gas. Admiring the road before you, your attention begins to gain clarity on another thought, and you feel called to turn on the Incredible Conversations podcast. A warm, secure feeling overcomes you. Your breathing gets deeper, your mind gets clearer, and your heart begins to open again. You know that the moment you turn it on, you will be immersed in a wholehearted conversation destined to expand your awareness in incorporating universal law, learning about conscious health, optimizing your energy with astrology, and super fueling your success. You feel like you're sitting with an old friend when you hear, Welcome to Incredible Conversations with me, Isabel. Welcome back to Incredible Conversations with me, your host, Isabel Wellman. Today, you're in for the freaking treat of the summer. This is what you've been waiting for. Volvo owners, penis owners, both of you, your parties, your partners are going to thrive from tuning in to this episode. Why? Because we dive into everything and anything from how to feel empowered by having a vulva, birth control, hormones, how they regulate themselves in the body and what suppressing them can lead to, PMS symptoms, how we go about connecting with ourselves in a deeper essence to develop safety and trust and respect, how that can then trickle in to our own self-pleasure practices, becoming aware of our bodies, our vaginas as a whole, the clitoris, the, the anatomy of the female physiology, being able to honor that we live cyclically in these cycles that are anywhere from 28 to 35 days long, how to take care of yourself from the inside out with nutrition, mental health, and the basics of being a human being. Plus, how to show up for your partner in their cycle, whether you're a vulva owner or a penis owner. Because if you're a penis owner, you have a testosterone cycle. And that's an amazing thing that I learned in this episode. Yeah, I'm the host, but by inviting people in to expand my wisdom and my knowledge, we all win. And today's guest is a sweetheart, a true triple earth human being here to spread the gift of what it means to be grounded, to have structure, and to live a wholesome life that is simple and easy to regulate. So if you're looking to expand your conscious relationship, expand your awareness about your body and how to come into connection with yourself on a deeper level and the general workings of the menstrual cycle, you're in for a treat. Thank you so much for showing up. And before we dive in, are you aware that there are free meditation classes Monday and Wednesdays? What? Yes, I put them on very early in the a.m. on Mondays, 5.30 a.m. PST, or on Wednesdays, if you're an after-work meditator, then this is a space for you at 4.30 p.m. PST. To sign up, to get the link for the Zoom, all you have to do is 
enter your email, your name on my website in the meditation group. So go to isabelwellman.com, go to memberships, scroll down to free meditation community, and sign up for the classes that you want. And maybe you're not sure which one is best for you or you want to try them both out. Great. Sign up for both of them. After signing up, you will have a pop-up window that shows up. Copy the Zoom link and put it in your calendar. Set an alert and set the weekly reminder for it so that you never miss a meditation. And if you do miss a meditation, no sweat. I usually put them up on the podcast or on YouTube. So stay tuned and I cannot wait for you to dive into this episode. So let's go. Welcome back to Incredible Conversations, everybody. Honored to have you and so honored to have our special guest today. Y'all, this is this is what we live for as Volvo owners in today's age. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of it all. Our guest is beautiful. She's magnetic. Her content is amazing. And I can't wait for you to meet her. So who do we have on the show? We have Colleen Howell. And Colleen is a certified hormone health specialist who empowers vulva owners to nourish mind, body, and soul through holistic menstrual sexual and relational health education. Does that not sound like the best job in the world? (laughs) I'm so happy to have her with us today. And today we're going to be chatting about all things of coming back home to your vulvaceous body, the menstrual cycle, hormone health optimization, a little bit of female anatomy, birth control, female pleasure, bringing in our partners into the mix. And it's going to be an orgasmic conversation just waiting to climax. So you're in for a treat. So Colleen, how are you doing during this Cancerian season we're in? Hi, Isabel. I am also so honored to be on your podcast and what an intro. Thank you so much. Um, I am fully enjoying this Cancerian season. I feel like it's very fitting in that I just moved into a new home. So a lot of my time over the last few weeks has been really you know, nurturing the space and creating a sense of hominess. And um, also, you know, I've been nurturing the relationship with my partner that I just moved in with and, you know, creating routines and um, just a a seamless transition and cohabitating. Um, so yeah, I've been enjoying and it's definitely been really warm and we don't have AC. So just been embracing the heat and, you know, sometimes, you know, clothes are optional in the day and that's okay. And yeah, so it's been fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. Hey, clothing optional all the time. Why not? Like, let's just free the body. Let's make it feel at home, but the heat. Oh, and you're in, you're in Colorado, correct? Yeah, this week especially. It's been like mid-90s or so, but I just feel like the Colorado sun, it's like once you're up in elevation, it's so intense. Yes, I agree with that. Having lived in Summit County for five years, just nothing up up even over 6,000 feet. Then you get to the 9,000 feet. You're getting hit hard, so I'm happy you're, you're staying cool and, you know, you're adapting to your new home. That's amazing. So today I'd love for you to share your story with how you got involved and started with your own vulva journey and like went into the multiverse of this. Mm. 
So I usually take it back to 2013. I actually kind of stumbled across uh, the world of veganism or, you know, just I came across a few documentaries. I was initially inspired by this healthy lifestyle blogger that I followed and I actually held, I had a healthy lifestyle blog at the time. Um, yeah, back in 2013, which feels like eons ago. And, you know, from reading books, documentaries that really like exposed me generally to the corruption, the, you know, just the, the systemic injustices at play. And I think from there, I just became a more like conscious consumer as a whole, you know, down to every little thing. And like, how is this particular choice impacting the world, other people, other beings, et cetera. So from there on out, I just questioned things more, you know, I just didn't take things at, at service level. And so that then brought me into, you know, really, really caring into like how I was taking care of myself, you know, from the inside out. And yes, yeah, so this was, I was a junior in college. It was the summer before my junior year. And right when I graduated from undergrad, a few months had passed. It was like a whole thing where I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. That's poison. You know, I don't know. I was making a lot of rash decisions, um, you know, understandably so with all that I was learning and um, unraveling. But it was January 2016 when I was like, hmm, why am I going to a pharmacy once a month? Like, I feel like I'm a healthy individual and I'm taking this hormonal birth control pill that I don't really know that much about. At this point, I'm not even sexually active. Why am I taking this? So I just stopped like like cold turkey without knowing much else about it, just kind of like intuitively feeling like I shouldn't be on it anymore. And from there, I experienced so many adverse effects um, from, you know, acne was a big thing, um, sleeplessness, um, uh, increased body odor, <laughs> just little things that you don't even realize are correlated with hormones, at least I didn't at the time, different hair growth as well. I was like, actually, a lot of my hair had thinned on the birth control pill and it got thicker and curlier when I got off of it, which was more like how it was when I was um, in my younger years. Um, but yeah, so from there, I realized why I was even having these adverse effects and coming off of the pill um, because of the depletion and the stripping that happens when you are on hormonal birth control. And, um, you know, we're just not taught how to properly support our bodies because truly, you know, there's so much shame and taboo around, you know, simply our own anatomies and just like the foundational workings. So naturally we're like, you know, going to disconnect and just do whatever is easiest to put a bandaid or whatever we need to, to just carry about our lives and not have to concern ourselves with our own bodies. Um, so from there and deep diving into understanding how the pill affected me, um, and then, you know, in a grander scheme, how hormones affect our bodies and how we're just not taught about these, you know, very important processes that literally allow us to optimize the way that we live. I was like, okay, this is like really important. And I would love nothing more than to support other women or vulva owners in their journeys. And, you know, if I had known what I know now before getting off of the pill, I would not have experienced all of those wild side effects and, you know, quality of life affecting symptoms. Um, and then, you know, that's just continued on and expanded into kind of all things that we know is like shameful and taboo around like sexuality and just like, you know, just feminine empowerment as a whole, everything that's like hush hush, but really it's like, it comes back 
to igniting our life force energy, not muting our own um, originality are just, you know, the beauty in our existence. So um, yeah, it's been a beautiful journey. And I feel like I just, you know, keep learning more and expanding and I'm working right now and um, expanding my work and like sex, love and relationship coaching. So more to come on that. But for now, I'm focusing a lot on just women's and vulva owners hormone health. No better time for this podcast too, with all of the very strange capitalism going on these days. So I'm really honored that you have you know, like you found this path and how it's developed over time, like from the beginning, going headstrong, all in like that self-discipline to really strip away the unnecessary, almost material things the world kind of pushes on women and suppresses women with you must be, or you have to look or whatever the case and bringing a whole new storyline to it. I think that's really fabulous. And I would love to hear more about what your work as a hormonal health specialist entails. Yeah. So as a certified hormone health specialist, and I guess you could also say like a hormone health coach, I usually like to throw in holistic because, you know, what I do speak of and what I think we forget is that it truly is like mind, body, and spirit as much as we focus so much on the body, which is important, I would say one of the first things, you know, um, is returning to the body. It's, you know, working on the nervous system regulation and, you know, that mental health aspect, but also just uh, returning home to like your truest essence, like your childlike wonder and like kind of just, you know, feeding that the spirit, your soul. Um, But yeah, so just, you know, in a day-to-day, the kind of offerings that I have is like working one-on-one with vulva owners and taking the Dutch test, which is a like comprehensive hormone panel. It's a dried urine sample test. So they simply order it. Uh, they take it at home, pee on the strip, send it back, receive the test. And then we go over their results in detail. I create like a personalized lifestyle plan um, that encompasses, you know, mind, body, spirit. Um, and it is very much lifestyle and food focused. So, you know, movement, Um, practices that it really a lot of times comes down to the basics Um, you know as far as really ensuring you get quality sleep getting outside getting in the sunshine having you know rainbowlicious nourishing meals slowing down being present um, kind of like going against the grind culture that you know we have among us and I think what leads to a lot of these hormonal imbalances that people experience. Um, and then I also host masterclasses. So these have been live masterclasses and then recorded versions as well. So I've done ones on the fertility awareness method, which is a non-hormonal form of birth control. So basically it's tracking your biomarkers, your uh, basal body temperature or the temperature upon waking every morning, your cervical fluid, your cervical position. And when you track those regularly every day, um, you actually are able to identify your fertile window. So just the six days in your menstrual cycle that you actually are able to get pregnant. Something again, we're never taught mm-hmm. <laughs> and are just made to fear that we can get pregnant 24 seven when the reality is men or penis owners are the ones that can actually provide that, that pregnancy opportunity 24 seven. So, um, so that one, and then also just uh, supporting vulva owners and getting off of hormonal birth control because you know as, as long as you're supporting your body the transition should be pretty pretty seamless I love that uh, uh, 
preach the whole, there's only six days in the month that can happen. I was talking to my naturopath yesterday because I um, found out I was anemic earlier in the year and something I guess is common for women in just the fertile stage of life. It was very extreme then, but has gotten better. And so just making sure I don't need to be on prescription iron. And needless to say, she asked, so what's your like sex ed like? And I was like, well, let me tell you, I'm not on any birth control and I'm absent for like six days of the month. So <laughs> she laughed and was like, great. I like your plan. And so it's just very great to have someone speaking to these <sighs> unusual ways of living as a woman, which is so far out of the truth. So I love that you're here and spreading this. What is a common, like, how can women go from being on the pill or on a birth control to coming off of it? And what would that transition look like so that they feel supported and not fearful of what might happen if that, when they do come off. And so they don't turn into a pimply monster or a raging, crazy monster under the bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, those descriptions are so real. I mean, the fear is real because again, we're just not taught, like you're saying about like how to tune into our body. So to answer your question, I would say first thing is to educate yourself on what the heck the menstrual cycle even is and you know the breakdown of those four phases and how to care for yourself in each of those because you know these four phases like the reason that they are broken down in the way that they are is because there's specific hormonal fluctuations that are happening that cause you to have like lower energy have varying nutrient needs um, and therefore you know different activities or um, you know items to to do are going to vary so to actually like organize your calendar or things that are going on in your life around that is super ideal. Um, and then kind of what I was mentioning before and just like focusing in on the basics before you take any further action of like ensuring you get at least eight hours of like regular sleep. And when I say regular, I mean like have a schedule. So the most ideal time is like 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. A lot of the restoration processes that happen in the body is like between 12 and two, I believe. So um, it's really important to like be in that deeper sleep during that point. Um, and also like getting up and being like in nature as much as you can. I know a lot of us, you know, work jobs that we're not always able to be outside, but you know, at least 10 minutes in the morning, like when the sun's rising, um, like 20 minutes during the day, like when it's peak. And then again, 10 minutes during like that golden hour or sunset, it actually really helps support your circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. um, which allows you, you know, to get that, that better quality sleep. So, you know, when people are trying to better their sleep. It starts first thing in the morning and getting that sun exposure. And also in that way, limiting the blue light exposure too. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, I think a lot of, which I'm sure you see in your work too, is that women vulva owners oftentimes are under eating and not even realizing it. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're actually nourishing yourself properly. Um, you know, it's typically, I mean, at least 2000 calories a day, but your body needs the fuel to, you know, properly endure the processes at play. And even like in your menstrual cycle, um, so right after you ovulate, you have the luteal phase, your metabolic rate actually increases. So you'll, you will like be hungrier because your body needs more fuel to endure the processes, to build up your uterine lining, to either carry out pregnancy or to release it during menstruation or your period. Um, so yeah, so sleep, um, eating enough, 
um, getting outside and bowel movements once a day. I mean, the ideal is like a really solid, well-formed stool, um, but that is, you know, one of the key ways that you eliminate excess hormones from the body. Um, and then lymphatic support as well. You know, we have like lymphatic fluid all throughout our body um, and that also can hold, hold excess hormones. So, you know, things like gentle exercise, I would say there's also kind of a, a huge push for like high intensity all the time. And I know you work, you know, with the cycle with your clients, which is incredible, but really allowing yourself the permission to slow down during like the later part of your luteal phase and the menstrual phase. And just like celebrating like the walks and the swims and, um, jump roping and I don't know just things that aren't like you know crazy like sprinting jumping up and down intensely or um yeah knowing that that I think a, a lot like the what is it called neat non-exercise activity total I think it's called is like more so what is the basis for you know your your overall health muscle development and throughout the day rather than just like maybe the the one hour of your training session it's more the rest of the day that <laughs> that counts which makes sense with the ratio of time but um but yeah so big big proponent of walking so yeah it's really just focusing back on the on the simple things yeah just coming back to the basics and I love that because it's easy to implement going from being on birth control to not doesn't have to be a scary impending doom feeling and I love how you're reiterating, just sleep, eat, walk, work out. And I love the, do not just think your one hour of working out is enough for your day. Like what else are you? There's 23 more hours of your day. And of course we're sleeping for ideally eight of them, nine of them, but I think we can move, get out. I like to shake in the morning. Like there's so many potentials and opportunities. And so just reminding everyone, like it is easy <laughs> and to know our hormones yeah. is such an honorable act. It's really allowing us to be in our power, which empowers others to be in their power. Because if we're wanting to be someone of any kind of inspiration, motivation, I suppose, during the day to be able to be that role model of, Hey, like the grind, there's a time and place to get things going, but there's not this, like, it doesn't have to be 24 <laughs> seven. We're not, a, we're not a gas station, right? We're not just where people can come in and out like things that don't align with us. Like we have boundaries. That's when we shut down time to go home. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you just said that. Cause that is something that I feel like is missing from what I just said setting boundaries. So, you know, knowing exactly, you know, your energy expenditure and also like what is in alignment with you at that moment, at that phase in your menstrual cycle. So mm -hmm. yeah, being your own best advocate and setting those boundaries um, is going to help a lot with just general stress levels and, you know, coming home to your like most authentic self. So. Absolutely. When it comes to deficiencies in hormones, what do you often see in your clients? So the hormonal imbalances that are probably the most common, um, and this is both in, you know, vulva owners that are coming off of hormonal birth control and just generally is estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. So this is when estrogen levels are higher than progesterone. These are like yin yang hormones. So they should be about on an even playing field. Mm -hmm. um, 
So this can be from a number of different things. Um, we have a lot of xenoestrogens in our environment, which simply means estrogen mimicking chemicals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is everything from, you know, the pollution in our environment to, um, you know, the uh, the herbicides, the pesticides in our foods, um, you know, surrounding yourself with a lot of plastic, um, the phthalates in our, you know, our beauty products, uh, the heavy metals, just, you know, little things here and there, sometimes the, the candles that we burn, um, the chemicals, the, um, the parasites, all the things in our drinking water. So that adds up really quickly as well as pharmaceuticals, hormonal birth control also, you know, contributes to, to the excess estrogen as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then progesterone, it, just across the board, we see quite a deficiency, especially when getting off of hormonal birth control, because the nutrients that are needed to create progesterone in the body are a lot of times depleted on hormonal birth control. Mm -hmm. So things like, you know, the B vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin E, a lot of the minerals as well. So magnesium, selenium, uh, potassium. So really focusing on replenishing those nutrients is going to be really important. But so you have the estrogen dominance, which, you know, creates a lot of what we hear about with um, heavy periods, heavy bleeding, a lot of PMS symptoms, headaches, migraines, water retention, bloating, um, and then progesterone. It's like progesterone is a very calming hormone. It's like our anti-anxiety hormone. Mm -hmm. And it's what like allows us after ovulation to kind of like ease into our period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it makes sense across the board that like we have, you know, deficient progesterone levels and what can help a lot with that is um vitamin e which is really prevalent like sunflower seeds um but also just really focusing in on reducing your cortisol levels which competes directly with hormone cell receptor sites with uh, progesterone mm -hmm. so and there's little things you know like like blood sugar balancing and things that we all often don't realize or even even connected that we can we can help with that. And the other thing that is very common that I see is um, high testosterone, or sometimes it's called an androgen rebound after getting off of hormonal birth control. And just generally, one in ten women have PCOS, mm -hmm. which is actually a metabolic syndrome, kind of a misnomer, and that it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. But you don't have to have polycystic ovaries. It's more you know you see high testosterone. Um, you're you're very sensitive um, and your uh, insulin levels. And so you need to be extra careful with balancing your blood sugar mm -hmm. um, because your ovaries actually have um, insulin receptor sites. And when you know, your insulin is super high running throughout your body. Those ovaries are then signaled to create excess testosterone. And that's when we see things like male pattern hair growth, um, increased body odor, balding on the head, um, decrease in breast tissue. Um, it can be sleepness, sleeplessness, excessive sweating. So just kind of like male characteristics in um, women or vulva owners. So, um, and I guess this oftentimes comes back to blood sugar balancing, decreasing stress, um, having focusing more on gentle exercise is a big thing, making sure you're eating enough. Mm. Those are the big ones. That's amazing. I didn't know that about the ovaries. I didn't know that they did that. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. When it comes to like balancing the blood sugar levels, would you say that? 
for people working out um, with vulvas to eat beforehand and eat like as fast as you can afterwards. I've understood that um, the faster you can eat afterwards, it's signaling to your body like, hey, you're, you're done working out. So now we can go and start recovering. Whereas if you resist eating, you wait an hour or two hours, your body is still in that process of, oh, we're growing and we're ripping and we're tearing and we're not recovering. And so I'd love to hear your insight there. Hmm. So, okay. So before the workout, I would say I've learned from my own experience. And then of course, studies and whatnot that are out that it is very much beneficial for your blood sugar levels to have at least a little something. Um, and it is best if it's, you know, balanced between, you know, carbs and fat, you know, if maybe you have like just, you know, a few apple slices with peanut butter or a rice cake with peanut butter, whatever it might be. Um, but just so you have, you know, one of the main principles is like protein, fat, and fiber at each meal. Um, you know, little snacks here and there pro probably aren't going to make as big of a difference, but if it is the first thing you're having upon waking in the morning, mm -hmm. um, it is going to have more of an impact. Um, and then afterwards, I've heard mixed things. Um, it's funny, my background actually, I used to work for a plant-based nutrition company. We are very much in the sports nutrition space for like six years. I was in um, account management and we learned you know, so much of the performance nutrition type things. And it was funny because when I first began, it was very much like, you know, eat immediately after you finish your workout. And then I guess science had come out and I'm not totally sure mm -hmm. that, you know, as long as you eat within like the next 60 to 90 minutes, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. Um, but you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm an expert anymore here. I would just say, as long as you are replenishing, you know, those calories replenishing your, your glycogen stores and whatnot, then I think that you're, you're probably in the go, but I'd love to hear, do you have recommendations for your clients typically with that? Oh. I say the same typical, like within that hour, I mean, the sooner, the better for my own opinion, I get a little, I get a little grouchy when I don't eat afterwards. And then I feel like I just keep prolonging the consumption of food. Like, oh, I have already gone this long. Let me just keep going. And that's just not a mentality to have. I also feel like women these days, um, from at least what I hear is an issue with eating to begin with. And so when we don't know these ideals or we think that there are these ideals to begin with, it can be intimidating or misleading and very like, do I eat now or do, do I not eat at all? Do I just pretend I eat and that's going to fill me up? And so I, I really encourage women to just listen to the body and eat as much as I can in my training and bring a snack always with you. That's my rule. Like have a snack in the purse, have it in the bag, in the car. You never want to be left alone without a snack, but that's again, my personal opinion. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that you said that. It's honestly making me reflect back on my own journey with like intermittent fasting. And I think a lot of women vulva owners are in that realm, in that world, maybe have questions. Um, I know that the research all the research that has been done intermittent fasting has been done on men, penis owners, or yeah, yeah post or yeah, postmenopausal women. So no one that has an infradian rhythm or a menstrual cycle. So these benefits that have been shown, it's actually been shown the exact opposite on, on women or vulva owners that engage in intermittent fasting in recent mm. studies. So, you know, high cortisol levels, um, you know, reduction in metabolic rate, things along those lines. I know I 
I'm definitely, I've always been a huge, you know, fitness gal, you know, love my workouts and staying active. And I definitely was like very much in the grind of gym culture starting in my college years and very much into intermittent fasting. I would work out first thing, you know, I would give my workouts in six, six 30. And then, um, like you said, I, I would just be like, oh, I haven't eaten so far. Like I'll just, maybe I'll wait until noon or, you know, this intermittent fasting thing apparently is really healthy. (laughs) And I realized over the years, I think I did that for maybe five or six years that really, really affected my blood sugar levels, which I actually have PCOS and it only exacerbated my symptoms. So um, definitely I've, since I just like allow myself, I don't have any like timing food rules, just like like really tune in, return to your body, feel those hunger cues, um, and allow yourself to, to be nourished. And also, you know, when you are eating, be present and enjoy, enjoy that experience too. I think that's a big thing about returning to the body too, just like fully tuning into the senses. Yes. And I've, I heard this on another podcast, probably the Aubrey Marcus podcast from someone love him, big fan, but they were saying how we have lost this connection of presence with our food because of that grind culture, the hustle, the, I have to pick up this thing from this window magically. And I don't know what it contains, but I'm just going to shove it in. But we're not actually psychologically being fulfilled by that because one, we were hunter gatherers and we still are. It's just looks a lot different now. We might just be gathering from the grocery store, which we can still make very meaningful and like what they're saying is basically spend time with that food, like smell the food before you touch it. If it's like a slab of cow or some leafy greens, smell it, like just get acquainted with it and then start process, like cook it yourself, make it a moment, invite the family in to bring some, some real community to the moment. And I think that really helps with the saliva engagement, our enzymes start going, then our stomach is getting that cue of, hey, it's time to eat. We're going to get ready. We're going to prime ourselves to actually digest this food. And then there's this whole thing with food combinations I've been learning about, which I do think has been helpful for my journey, but might, might be different for others. And then you just continue on. You you chew the food 30 bites of uh, an intake, I suppose, like a spoonful, <laughs> give or take, but that allows us to actually digest. That's the actual, like the most important part of digestion is that mechanical digestion, I believe, where we're actually chewing the food. We're allowing it to happen. And then it goes down the pipe and we're nice and slow. I'm the slowest eater in the whole world because I love to just be with the moment and the food is way cold by the time I get there, but I would love to hear your process with this in itself. And if you have a time that you stop eating at nighttime, if that's something that is helpful for the body or is just another one of those myths. Mm, Oh my gosh. Everything you just said is (laughs) so spot on. Um, I am such a huge proponent of like romanticizing the entire food process. I think, you know, perhaps it's my, my tourist son or whatever it might be, but I feel like I've truly been like a lifelong foodie, which has really lent itself to truly the work I do now. Um, but, you know, like you said, perhaps for a lot of people, it begins at the grocery store, or the farmer's market, and like really immersing yourself in that experience, like the colors and the sights and the sounds and the smells and like, feeling so grateful that you have the ability to very intentionally and intricately select, you know, what you are going to surround yourself with 
ingest and you know allow yourself to be nourished by so you select that you bring it home you wash it you cut it and again you know all the senses you know the smells the taste the touch of it you know the the juices of the produce coming out or whatever it might be mm -hmm. um and then, you know, you, you get to plate it and, you know, select each bite and the chewing is huge. I, um, I have a, a registered dietitian friend that talks about this all the time and it's always such a good reminder. I think it's an average two to three bites or two to three chews is the average American before they swallow it. And that is the first step of digestion, you know, and I wonder why we do have so many gut issues. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, really allowing yourself those, you know, like 30 chews or so until it gets mushy in your mouth, but, you know, savoring each of those, those bites. And um, also in that way, it allows you to get into that parasympathetic place in your nervous system which allows you to it's like that rest and digest so you're actually able to like better assimilate those nutrients that are going down um and it's i mean and then the other thing is you know just allowing yourself to like just sit and be i think a lot of times we eat on the go or we eat not even thinking about the food we're on our computers we're you know doing whatever and um i also think it really helps to I mean, if you do this by yourself, that's amazing. But I think it's really beautiful too, like you mentioned the community aspect to eat with others, eat with another person. And, you know, you can kind of like, I love talking about the food that I'm eating with whoever I'm with. And like, you know, like I love to hear the other person's experience about what they're having. And um, so that can be really helpful too, just to tune back into the experience of it all. Um, and then your question on timing. So, I would say I've really allowed myself a lot of flexibility um, coming from uh, more rigidness just generally, but for sure for like eating windows because I did used to do like like 12 to six or something like that. So um, first thing in the morning, it's actually a really good sign of like your your metabol your metabolism, um, your hormones overall, if you are hungry first thing in the morning, that's gonna depend also what time you eat at the end of the day. If you ate super late, then maybe not. I would say a rule of thumb though is allow yourself like three hours to digest the food before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that might look like, you know, having dinner planned for for 6 30 every night 6 6 30 um that's probably the best to be going to bed at like 10 p.m mm -hmm. um, that way your body is able to really focus its energy on the restoration processes that are going to be at play when you're sleeping instead of continuing to digest that food while you're sleeping mm. Mm -hmm. mm. I, I just love this because it's the fundamental basics of being a human being is really what we're talking about <laughs> Like, this is how you have happiness in your life. <laughs> it's really not rocket science. It's so much easier. Um, after you eat dinner as well, or any meal, do you think that going outside and like walking around, moving the body a little bit, going for a short walk benefits the digestive system? Yes, it has been shown for both blood sugar balance and for just proper digestion to move for at least 10 minutes after eating. Um, so, you know, as far as blood sugar balance, it's like really allowing that glucose to just go straight to the muscles and not like hang around and spike your insulin levels. Um, and then just it allows for things to move if you're physically moving as far as your um, digestive tract. So 
gentle movement though you know you're not supposed to be good going off and doing burpees after you eat but you know a nice walk and you know it can be as accessible as like clean your kitchen after which you know if you just cooked a big meal that's gonna need to happen too <laughs> absolutely yeah I can't stand when yeah. the dishes are still in the sink so I'm like let's clean let's go outside let's get the dogs doing their thing so I love this um, and this is basically yeah. falling into cyclical living so I would love to hear your definition of what that is so cyclical living, so it's really, you know, going back and honoring our own infradian rhythm or our menstrual cycle and, you know, realizing the correlation that we have in that and the attunement to nature. So, you know, in both the earthly seasons and the lunar cycle, we are connected and that, you know, we have the four phases, most typically the um, menstruation is associated with the um the new moon, you know, that darkness in the sky, the opportunity to hibernate, rest, um, just be slower in your movement. Um, and then you move into the follicular phase, which is also, and also winter for the menstrual phase. And then you move into the follicular phase and, you know, that's associated with the earthly season of spring. Things are flourishing. Your energy is starting to increase. Um, it's good to eat. Like, you know, you can have more like fresh raw foods at that time. Um, and then moving into the next, which is the ovulatory phase, the culmination of the entire menstrual cycle, energy at you know full peak, that's most associated with the full moon and the summertime. And then lastly, the luteal phase, which is associated with like autumn or fall and kind of like that slowing down, things kind of like dying off once again, it's our longest phase too. So um, seeing that change in, you know, foliage, and yeah, that's slowing down. So I would say, you know, it's that realization, like I said, that we like are nature and, you know, nature has these seasons for a reason. We are not meant to always be in summer, always in like full swing, you know, the pinnacle of energy. Um, we are meant to go through, you know, this process of allowing for things to blossom and, you know, hit their peak and then die off and rest. So giving ourselves permission is huge in you know our modern day society where we're like constantly focused on the doing but you know going back to allowing for the being and realizing that sometimes that is the most productive thing that we can do just allow ourselves to be and it's really cool too like you know as a vulva owner and having a menstrual cycle a lot of times when we are bleeding this is like when we are the most in touch with um you know universal realms ourself like this is when our creative juices are like flowing the most and so it can be a really great time to brainstorm you know write things down create art mm -hmm. so you know each phase has a cool opportunity for you know whatever it is the different aspects that make life so fulfilling so mm -hmm. I love being a Volvo owner it's so much fun like there's so much to honor and to relish and to think like our ancestors way back when, when someone was on their, their moon or their menstrual cycle, like bleeding, they were like seen as godly. They were bowed down to like, oh, what wisdom can you share with us right now? What, what are you connected to? So I think it's really important to have this conversation and to get back to that cyclical living to begin with. When it comes to fueling ourselves during the different cycles, what would you say to quickly go back to food um, would be the best for each cycle? I know you have your own like cute little food calendar and I'd love for you to talk more about that, but yeah, I'd love to hear what you have 
on your dish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for starting at the first phase, just typically, you know, cycle day one is the first day of your bleed. And that's also like the menstrual phase, your period. Um, as we know, we lose a lot of blood. Our uterine lining sheds during this time. So probably the most important thing to focus on is mineral rich foods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, foods that are high in iron and um, magnesium is really huge too, potassium, sodium even. Um, so, you know, this can come in a variety of different things, um, but magnesium is a huge one. Um, I really think it's not coincidental, but uh, that we crave like chocolate and, you know, leading up to our period and during our period, it is the most dense food source of magnesium, which is like mm. the most calming mineral. So um, just going back to trusting our bodies and, you know, knowing that they're wise and are guiding us in what we need. Um, but also just, you know, really like nourishing foods um, during this time, you know, the warming foods, things that are comforting to you. Um, and yeah, mineral rich. And then moving on to the follicular phase. So like that inner spring, um, it's really good to have kind of like those lighter, fresh foods. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great time to focus on um, like fermented foods. So like kimchi, sauerkraut, um, and you know, you can have those like those big salads. And I would say like as a whole throughout, just yeah, focusing on nutrient density, just like lots of colors throughout. Um, it's going to help with your gut and your, your liver function as well. Mm -hmm. um, but then moving on into summer. So again, like peak of our energy, that is our ovulatory phase. And this is like when you can have the, you're actually not going to be as hungry during the follicular and ovulatory phases. So it's like having like, like those lighter foods and again, honor your body throughout and what you might be craving. Um, but you know, those, those fresh fruits. And I mean, right now I've just been loving watermelon. Yeah. Um, I'm actually about to go into my ovulatory phase which is my inner summer and it's summer. So it's, you know, we love when that works out like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you can kind of think like what is in season during each of these, these yeah. phases. And although, you know, that might not always line up with what, you know, in our reality is in season, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, making little adaptions here and there. And then the luteal phase is our inner fall. So again, think of like the foods that are in season in the fall, a lot of those are root vegetables, like those grounding foods. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of like complex carbs is actually really good during this time because your serotonin drops down a lot. So um, having those actually serotonin production. And then again, like focusing in on that magnesium in the luteal phase, um, cacao, avocado, cashews, things like that. So I think, yeah, the most helpful thing is just to kind of visualize like what you'd be eating during each of those seasons. Mm, I love that. And that's super easy to think back to because we can all think, oh, in the summer, I love watermelon strawberries blueberries like all those things and then in the winter I'm like soup every day and night for my meal <laughs> oh my god I love it yay well anyone who's out there who like wants an easy cheat sheet Colleen has a really cute like fruit and vegetable one that helps like tell you what minerals are in what food and the highest to the lowest density, I believe. And it's, it's awesome. I actually am very, like, I went to go and see if it was, yeah, on your page. And like, I really want to order it for myself and just hang it up. Aww. My partner really is interested in it as well. Like being a Taurus, he just like, I have you um, remember on the Teletubbies that one vacuum that's him like he just anything in sight gets absorbed I'm not really sure where it goes because he's a twig but <laughs> that's what it happens so I'd love to have that for him like hey at least like 
bring that into your portal. <laughs> Might be yes. helpful. For you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's funny you say that too, because um, my partner and I have been like exploring tele, I don't know, I feel like over the last like year or so, just like revisiting Teletubbies. <laughs> And like, I don't know, I feel like it's something that we both watch, you know, we 90s babies and not like fully realizing what it encompassed. And then we, we uh, went back and we watched it a few times, a few episodes, and it's like, you know, nonverbal, it just sounds and they're just, you know, they have their, their toast time. (laughs) You actually got a shirt. Teletubbies for Christmas so that just all feels very aligned <laughs> I love it <laughs> now that we're talking about partners I have been I, I love partnership I'm a Libra rising my listeners know this and I love love like being a Leo I overly love and then I have these expectations so I like realize all right Isabel it's okay like just accept what you get and be happy with that but I would love to hear about your conscious relationship because from what I've seen on your postings, like you weren't living together for four years and then you have just recently moved in with them. And then I want to hear about that transition, like the benefits of you being solo, having your own space, being able to do you and be a part. And now what it's like that you're in the same space. Mm, Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I feel like I'm, I don't know if it's, I know Taurus is ruled by Venus, which is like, you know, love and beauty, but I'm with you. I know I love love and it's always been something I love talking on. And I think that's also why I've, you know, been wanting to shift more into this space as well. Cause it's again, such an integral part of of your wellness, your overall health, like having supportive conscious relationships. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I was single for a long time and I think it was like very much me, in my self-love journey like at first it was like intentional I was like oh like you know after breaking up with an ex the end of my undergrad I was like okay like I I think I'm just gonna like focus on you know building up myself and getting to know myself and then I feel like my standards I don't know are just like I I knew what I was looking for and so it was just like very easy nose um and I was okay with that and I mean I definitely dated around a lot um but I moved out on a whim, kind of on a whim. I don't know. I wanted to move to the West Coast for a long time. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area originally. So I moved out to Colorado like two and a half years ago now and um, didn't know anyone at all. But I just like, I just like, I knew that this was like where I was supposed to be. And uh, um, yeah, so eventually I met Tom, my partner now, and we've been dating for two years yeah so I before that I'd lived in like my own space like literally like my own apartment for yeah four years prior I was in Baltimore for like a job at the time and then you know moving to to Boulder um so yeah being in relationship with him and having our own spaces which was like really great as we were like you know building up our relationship kind of having like my own my own comfort place where I could just go back to and um, yeah, have everything be exactly so and, and whatnot. Um, and I think having my own place has really been super instrumental in my own journey and, you know, becoming my own best friend. And I think, you know, we can definitely touch on this, but I do think that is like probably the biggest, most important foundation of a healthy conscious relationship is like 
having like dating yourself, like having that time to like really love on yourself, be so solid and whole in yourself before you, you know, even really begin to explore um, a relationship with another. Um, but yeah, so we'll, it's been almost a month now. <laughs> so we're still, you know, relatively new at cohabitating, but it's honestly been really beautiful. I, I will say in meeting Tom, I had never experienced anything like that. And just like so much fluidity and just like knowing and not like second guessing anything. So it's really surprising. I feel like I'm such a homebody. I'm such a, like, I like my space. So I really thought I was going to have a lot more hesitations about living together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really been pretty easy. I, you know, I think that it comes from the foundation that we've built in our relationship together and just really honest, open communication um, and just supporting one another and what we need, um, which comes a lot from like relationship check-ins, which we can talk about too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been wonderful. I mean, he it is nice that we have a balance of like, I work from home, he goes to an office and then, you know, we come together at the end of the day and on weekends. So mm. Mm. I love it. It just, I'm just like beaming over here, rocking, just em- <laughs> embracing this conversation. <laughs> um, this, yeah. Mm. So when it comes to the conscious relationships, I cannot agree more on dating yourself. I cannot agree more as someone who would just get out of a relationship three years deep done. Let's go to the next one. Like not healthy, not like not ideal does not allow you to grieve or like pick up the pieces that are meant to be picked up. Whereas we break, if we don't allow that breaking process to fully happen, what are we even like, what is our form moving into the next relationship? It's just a lot of baggage in my opinion. And a whole lot of like lack of self-confidence and self-love. And so I love that you really iterate, like being your own best friend is the hot summer thing to do. If that is your, like, if you're someone getting out of a relationship or in a relation, but you want to have that deeper connection, let's, let's be your own best friend and glorify yourself. And I think this whole podcast, getting into your cyclical living, like being more in tune with your menstrual cycle, having boundaries. This is all like your starting page. So take this and run with it and apply it to your life and have fun. And I would love for you to talk about your conscious relationship, like check-ins, like what does that look like for you guys? And how do you really get that spark to not like fade away? I don't believe that we should ever stop pursuing our partners like in my own opinion, like we should always have this pursuit and like wanting to be pursued because that's the fun of it. Like think about when you first started dating, what got you turned on? Like what, what happened? What were you like? What were they like? And why does that fade away? Just because we get comfortable. I don't like that excuse anymore. (laughs) So I'm like very bold about this because it's so like, it just changes your life when you know this. So yeah, I want to hear all about your, your conscious relationship and how that goes. Yes. Yeah. I am in full agreement that relationships like don't have to end as far as like the excitement, the spark, the, you know, desire for one another. I feel like it really, you know, it goes back to like being really present in each other's lives, like being very openly communicative of like what's going on, what is real for them, because the reality is like we are evolving beings. So if you're with someone for a long time, you're going to be with like 10 different people. So, you know, it's committing every day, like realizing that, like, in my opinion, like a conscious relationship is like knowing that like you are with that person 
by choice every single day. It's not like this mandatory, you know, these that you have to, you know, it's, it's, it's you choosing. So, so by you choosing to be with this person every day, you are, you know, committing to continuing to know them throughout their journey um, and growing, you know, choosing to grow together in whatever direction be. Um, and then I think, yeah, in the relationship check-ins that we do, um, they are weekly and, um, you know, I, we just choose whatever day works for us. It's been um, Friday evenings, um, but we check in with what is, what was, what went well this last week, um, what perhaps didn't go as well. You know, it just kind of creates the the safe space, the opportunity to bring these things up in a very like regulated space. Like that's a key thing in going into this. Like no one should be like elevated in emotional state in any way. It just be like, you know, the agreement is like whatever is said here is safe. And you know, no one is gonna be like reactive. Of course you can feel whatever way you feel about it. Um, but it's more like, you know, solution oriented and just like really allowing that person to be like seen and heard. So um, yeah, what maybe didn't go so well, um, what you are desiring more of, and then how your partner can best support you in the week to come. So if, you know, things are coming up, um, you know, you have a big work project or whatever, like maybe you could, you could help me, you know, prep my meals or, you know, just like really, really, uh, hype me up, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, having those four things has been really, really helpful because I do think that, you know, in speaking on like desire, like physical intimacy, I do think the basis is emotional intimacy. So when you are able to like maintain that like open, honest communication, you feel safe in your body with this person, then you, especially as women, as vulva owners, you are then able to like open yourself up and like flourish like when you're around them sexually. So, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that if we are not allowing our partners in to our like emotional landscape, um, you know, being with someone for X amount of years, then we're not gonna feel open to being sexual with them. And if we are, it's gonna feel a lot more surface level and not like get to those like deeper expansive levels of, um, of that like sexual realm. So um, yeah, and then also just like non, non-sexual forms of physical intimacy just maintaining that you know just like that newness like just holding hands hugging touching each other you know little things like that make a huge difference um and that kind of like anticipatory energy you know like really building that like that sexual desire it's i someone said this one time and i don't know who it is i would credit them but it's foreplay begins the moment sex ends so like always like maintaining just like you know, like showing that you admire them, that you respect them, that you think they're hot, that you think their mind is sexy. Like, you know, just, just like, I mean, those are a lot of words of affirmation, but you know, the non-physical um, intimacy as well. And just, yeah, keeping, keeping that alive, being really intentional about that. I think it's important. I love that quote. I love like it, it, the moment sex ends, foreplay begins again. I actually saw a mama Jean on Instagram, like a reel by her. And she said, like, we don't care how big your cock is, how thick it is, any of that. Like what we want from you is a little appreciation. And then that arousal, like to maintain that arousal all day, a to the men, let's get more of that in our life. Because if we can be in this desired state of like, Ooh, when they get home, than this and like 
I can just touch them and I might get this kind of way. And like, maybe we can explore something and having that safety within our own bodies is everything. And I think this, like getting in tune with your cycle, nourishing yourself, knowing what you need intuitively and just connecting with yourself on that deep level. It allows a relationship to truly blossom. And like you said, like, you know what you want. what Because when you know what you want, you can make decisions. Decisions, I guess the Latin word of it is like to cut off. So you're cutting off parts that do not count. So you're deciding like what does not get to stay. And that's such a beautiful way to look at making a decision. Because as someone with some air loss in their birth chart, like I can be so lost in trying to make a decision on something, but the moment you do, it's like, oh, you are choosing success in this own way. Or you can look at it in more of a way of what would you like, what could you not live without? Like, what would you regret not choosing? Cause you're going to like, they're both basically things that you could regret because you're going to miss out on something. So like, what would you miss out on more and like feel bad about? And so I love like being able to know like your certain boundaries in that relationship cultivation. So huge. And then in the bedroom, you just get deeper. You unlock those wounds. You can talk about your traumas. You can really begin to be vulnerable and it can go deeper than sex because sex is on a surface level great, but it's not just like a one and done thing. And it's not just the men going and it, or the penis owners going. It's just like a very inclusive environment of sharing your heart, being seen on a soul level, like reaching this ecstasy that is a form of experiencing God, in my opinion, from, from like my own experience. And I just, I love that you're doing this work and that you are out here sharing it with everyone and like, Hey, this, these are the normal things. Like let's normalize this easy, simple way of living that is wholesome and loving and just like nourishing from the inside out. So I am, I'm, deeply honored that you are here doing the thing (laughs) oh my gosh thank you so much Isabel yeah so well put and yeah I mean being able to like enter those like next level like experiences of a pleasure like an ecstatic state you definitely are able to like tap into a whole another level of consciousness and I mean even like our sacral chakra like our you know, our womb space, like our sexual energy is like our life force energy. So to be able to like tap into that, um, you know, I feel like in the media, like in our conditioning, like sexuality, sex has been made into like this almost like, like frivolous, uh, materialistic thing, but it's like so much more. Yeah. It's like, I feel like when you are able to like be in your body fully, like what we were talking about before and like really like experience all of the senses and like know what you like you know what what makes you experience pleasure Mm -hmm. um then you're able to then bring that in with a partner and you know when you know yourself when they know themselves and then you come together and then I feel like you're able to get so much yeah there's a whole nother level of of power and um elevation and that that experience of just next level, you know, God consciousness, I would say. Yes. That's a great way to put it. God consciousness is right. And I, yeah, for anyone who like didn't catch that, um, just to like make it very blunt, like when you have a, a sexual practice with yourself and your partner has their own sexual practice, like that is what we're like, that's the base. Cause when you can be comfortable touching yourself, women, vulva owners, yes, you, you deserve that. 
not just men. They're not the only masturbators here. <laughs> Let's make that normal. <laughs> and so when you have that practice, I, I remember my first time really touching myself was in winter of 2019. I was 23, 22. What? I was petrified, petrified of anything intimate, very shy, very nervous my whole life. I asked my mom to opt me out of the sex ed combo in the sixth grade because of how nerve wracking I was to like even learn about it. My parents weren't super intimate in front of us. I didn't understand it. If I heard anything, it was behind closed doors. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then as I grew up, it was a very don't look at anything like lights off, this is just something pleasurable. I am very attracted to people like blah, blah, blah. And it just wasn't, didn't have any space for expansion or growth. It was literally like wearing armor and trying to like have sex, which is just, I don't think a very easy thing. And yeah. So like the first time really experiencing that wild, like you get to learn about what you look like, what feels good for you, like the whole nine yards. And I, I love that emphasis. So y'all, if you don't touch yourself, permission to touch yourself <laughs> from here on out. And if you have any practices that you'd like to share that help you come into this space, if like someone has never done this before, like what those would be. Yeah, I resonate with your experience so much in a very like conservative upbringing. And I mean, I did have like the FLE or family life education classes that I attended, which are, you know, so basic and very much like fear mongered. But um, yeah, I, I didn't masturbate or self pleasure for the first time until I was, I think 25, I got my first uh, vibrator. And yeah, before that, I had never even experienced orgasm, you know, and partnered sex, which I think is a really important um, element to, to, um, point out this whole, like, you know, orgasm inequality, the pleasure gap, and that, you know, vulva owners have much, much less orgasms and sexual encounters than penis owners do. Not simply because we just don't understand the female anatomy, how female pleasure works. We're simply never taught it. So it makes sense. So it really comes into, you know, our responsibility to educate ourselves. Um, so I'm so happy we're talking about this. <laughs> so yeah, I think one of the the first things you can do, which is can feel really scary because, you know, especially the way our vulvas are positioned and uh, maybe you guys know, maybe you don't, I'll just throw this out there, but like your vulva is your entire external genitalia and your vagina is just the inner canal that, you know, penises, fingers, blood, babies come out of, and then vulvas, you know, your, your clitoris, your clitoral hood, your, your labia minora, majora, your urethra, and then you can see the vaginal opening there. Um, but I would invite you to go in front of the mirror and sit down and open your legs. And maybe you need um, a light of some sort to see a little bit better, but really like take it in, take in what your vulva looks like, all the different parts that it's probably not even or perfect looking, like maybe your greatest exposure to vulvas has been porn or, you know, things in the media. And the truth there is that a lot of those uh, 
performers, actors have actually been surgically manipulated to, you know, have these like perfect looking vulvas, you know, perfectly even labias. But in reality, like vulvas are like flowers, you know, they're all so different. Uh, they smell slightly different. They, they, you know, they, but they're beautiful and they're unique as they are. So I think just really looking um, and taking in and then the next level to that would be self-pleasuring, touching yourself so that your clitoris actually starts to engorge with blood. And um, if listeners don't know this, in the womb, the penis and the clitoris are actually the same body part. And they just kind of like shape shift into different forms um, when the genetic instruction takes place for the sex of the human. And so you can imagine like, you know, how a penis would feel. Maybe we have penis owners listening um, when touched in a certain way, like it engorges with blood, becomes erect. And, you know, that is when it's sexually stimulated and, you know, ready for sex. Same with the clitoris, you know, it needs to be engorged with blood. Um, it like basically inflates. So it's really cool if you're in front of a mirror to like watch that process happen. It's literally your flower is like blossoming. So, you know, in that way, vulva owners need to be aroused as well. Like sex is not going to be pleasurable unless you're aroused. So I'm sure we've all experienced like, you know, being entered before we're ready. Like it's no one is having a good time in that way. Like there's no lubrication. Like it's just like sandpaper. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hey, fly. Vulva owners need <laughs> a lot more time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have a whole bunch of bugs like coming out of nowhere because they're so excited about this conversation. They're like, they're talking about flowers. Let's pollinate. Like they're, they're ready. And I love what you're saying. So the whole, um, like the clitoris being engorged that has just recently happened in my, in this relationship I'm in now as a 25 year old. And I think, ah, it's just so important, just so important to reiterate and to know and take the time, talk to your partner. I'm not sure they're going to mind pleasuring you if like they're really consciously there with you and like they adore the body, they honor who you are, all the things. And so like really like I think like in my own self, it's fear of being seen in a vulnerable way of trusting that they like they love my body or like they appreciate me genuinely and like that's where I would get tripped up and if you have any advice for women in that department like to make that big step I think that would be a fun one of our last notes to hit yeah so I would say still with the mirror work but you could also extend that to like your whole body and like make it a regular practice so like that belief with like the repetition is like integrated into your consciousness Mm -hmm. so it's like you know I love my body. My body is so beautiful. Like my body is like a flower that like blossoms when it feels like safe and aroused. Um, And then, you know, that can be looking at your vulva, looking at your body. And then um, I would, you know, this is definitely something that is important to speak to your partner about and just like, you know, elevating their education on female pleasure. Um, And, you know, really like admiring your body for, you know, all that it is. And um, of course, it, it just does start with you and your relationship with, you know, your vulva and just like knowing how incredible it is, like in its, in the smells and the looks and like, it all is exactly how it's supposed to be. Um, and I know this can take time from all of our like deep rooted conditioning mm-hmm. and that it's, you know, this shameful, dirty thing. Um, but yeah, really prioritizing unlearning that. 
Um, and then, yeah, bringing your partner on the journey of yeah, taking things slow and, and enjoying and just appreciating. Um, because yeah, like I said, vulva owners do need a lot more time um, and a lot more buildup because um, just a little fun fact, most penis owners have spontaneous arousal, which means that you can be aroused at like any moment you're washing the dishes and you're like, Ooh, I want to have sex. <laughs> but most, most vulva owners have um, responsive arousal. Nice. So that is, you know, something, you know, some sexual stimuli needs to be taking place. So perhaps that's like a, a sext, you know, something, you know, earlier in the day and then you're thinking about it more and it's more like a long buildup rather than like a, let's go, you know? And Absolutely. of course they can experience in, um, for both, but that's generally from, um, the books that I've read, some of my favorites are Come As You Are and Becoming Clitorate. And I highly recommend both of those. I love it. Come As You Are and Highly Clitorate. Must reads. Get them on your list. Audible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say Becoming Clitorate. I don't know if I said that. Oh, yeah. Becoming. Be becoming Clitorate. Yes. Perfect. I love <laughs> it. Yes. Um, I have two more questions that I have to ask. So my first one is, how do we introduce the penis owners in our lives or our partners in general that don't experience a menstrual cycle into that world so that they can support us through it and help us through it? Hmm. So I would really include them in your tracking journey. So perhaps that's actually practicing like the fertility awareness method. So like tracking your biomarkers to know when you're you know, you're fertile and then be able to take action from there. Or just simply like, you know, if you're not tracking your biomarkers, you're just kind of like loosely tracking your, your cycle and which phase you're in. Just, you know, give them a brief overview in the beginning. Like, you know, there's four phases and each phase, like, you know, my hormones fluctuate and I'm going to feel X, Y, Z way, just so you know what to expect. And we can, you know, plan things around that. Like we can plan more like cozy nights in when I'm in the luteal or menstrual phases, we can do more adventurous, like big hikes or, um, I don't know, crazy adventures when I have higher energy in my follicular and ovulatory phases. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you're not going to feel as energized and maybe they can step in to, you know, uh, really treat you, maybe massage you or bring you, you know, nourishing foods during that phase. And, you know, that can definitely increase the just intimacy and, you know, up level your relationship. And that way, you know, I think that would be really helpful to, to more deeply understand how, what your partner is going through. Um, and also you can let them know that they're on a cycle as well. Um, they are on a 24 hour cycle, much like the solar cycle. So their testosterone is, um, at peak. It's mostly a testosterone cycle, like in the morning time. And then slowly throughout the day it decreases. So, and that way you can be like, see, we're like yin and yang, like on the moon, you're the sun. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. I feel like that all plays into just growing that communication piece and that trust, that honesty to get deeper into a, um, into the, your pleasure together, into understanding together, into just confronting the hard feelings with more ease and saying, Hey, this is how I honestly feel. It's not an attack. What's your 
like, how are you feeling and what's your experience? And I think when all of this is combined, it just continues to grow and blossom a really beautiful flower at the end of the day or in the beginning of the day, whenever this flower likes to blossom. <laughs> oh, I love it. What was my, my last question? Let me see if I can remember it. I think that pretty much hit home. I just want to see if I can think on it. You know, I feel complete. I feel like we probably nailed it. And lastly, how can people get in touch with you? So you have your newsletter, the Body Literacy Bulletin, which is a fabulous name. I love it. Um, how can people get on that? And yeah, just more ways to connect with you deeper. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Green Colleen or TikTok at the Green Colleen. And um, I have all my offerings and the link in my bios there, but I do offer the Dutch test consults and then the pre-recorded fertility awareness method masterclasses. And I will be beginning a, it's still in the works, but it's going to be like a full-fledged like hormone up-leveling sexuality and embod feminine embodiment um, group program that'll be nine weeks starting September 1st so more to come on that but you can definitely connect with me best <laughs> on Instagram or TikTok perfect and spell your handle because it's not how you usually spell Colleen <laughs> yes yes it is confusing my name is not how it is in my handle it's just because when I began it there was no availability for that so it is green as you would spell the color and then Colleen c-o-l-l-e-a-n mm -hmm. and then TikTok is the same but the in front of it perfect I honestly thought when I looked at it I was like oh like Colleen like collaborating I don't know for what my mind thought but like lean I was like this is cool <laughs> my mind was trying to think of like how it could be like a commutative way of like coming together and yeah I thought it was a nice play on it so yeah awesome that's how you yeah. spell it everybody <laughs> connect with Colleen she's amazing hopefully you were able to take at least one nugget of wisdom from this I think we hit a lot of great just bits and pieces to take with you to arouse yourself to have deeper connection with your partner deeper cyclical living connection, getting off of the birth control, not for any other reason, but to be more in tune with who you are at the end of the day. And do you have anything else that you'd like to add at, uh, before we end the podcast, Colleen? I just want to thank you for having me. And I think this, this topic, I mean, we've covered a lot of topics, but the whole realm of just, you know, exploring and, you know, developing that more, intimate connection with yourself is you know such a beautiful starting point for all of these these facets to really thrive so thank you yeah thank you so much for coming on hopefully we can do another one in the future but I'm I'm honored yeah. that we were able to come together today I'm honored for everyone out there listening to be a part of the this in your own growth in the growth of the show and if there's any questions or comments that you have that you'd like to answer, please email Isabel at isabelleman.com or connect with Colleen over Instagram or TikTok at her handle, the green Colleen or the or green Colleen. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Love you big time. And we will catch you on the next show. Hello, my galactic beings. 
If you've been searching for a place to call home, listen up. I'm introducing the Cosmic Community Membership. This membership is going to be your new favorite Cosmic Hub, where the experience of awakening your inner world to connect with your deep, intuitive, philosophical, and connected side is where it's at. Within this container, you can expect three live classes a month, a spiritual class, a soulful movement class, and a new moon circle. This is for beings that are ready to learn about their healing powers, how to learn to avoid falling back into negative coping mechanisms, learn how to live with ease versus disease, and recognize your shadow and do the deep inner work. You can expect in the live class to learn anything from astrology to tarot, healing the witch wound, learning what it is, being a healer, what does that entail, yogic principles, and so much more. During the soulful movement class, for 30 minutes, you'll move your body ecstatically without judgment to embody the physical reality you are creating. And then during the new moon circles, you'll learn how to set up an altar. You'll manifest with the moon cycles and share what's on your heart. If you're ready to trade in your curiosity for clarity, this is the place. It's a no BS approach to living passionately and purposefully, to love life from an observer point of view, and to harness and honor your personal discernment. The membership will be open from July 11th to July 15th. I can't wait for you to check it out, and I hope to see you there. If you want to learn more about it, go to the show notes and click the link. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Incredible Conversations. Slowly echoes throughout your car as the podcast comes to an end. Sitting there in fascination, curiosity, and solitude, the visions of how you want to superfuel your success dance along in your mind. A deep belief has awakened, and you're empowered to consciously create your life by optimizing your energy and healing from the inside out. You've subscribed to the podcast, have left your five-star review, and shared this episode with a friend because of the new intentions you've created for yourself. You have your foot on the gas, hand on the wheel, and you no longer need a GPS to know where you're going.